0: Welcome to The Culture Classroom, a podcast for teachers and coaches by teachers and coaches. Listen to top leaders, innovators, and influencers share their stories about how intentional culture elevates performance. Now, here are your hosts, John Weaver and John Torrey. Let's get better together. In the classroom
1: tonight is Coach Brady Walls. Uh, really do not need any introduction um, if you are familiar with Run the Power. He is one of the co-hosts of Run the Power, uh, Coach Walls. Man, thanks for joining us in uh, in the classroom today.
2: I'm excited. I appreciate you guys uh, having me on, and especially you know, if we if we are going to be holed up, uh, it's definitely something to to pass the time. And it, you guys have some topics that I'm super passionate about, so I'm excited to be on.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, first things I want to, I think Coach Torrey and I talked about this today with you, and this, you know, it's kind of the. The thing that's all in the news right now, but you know, the sp- the sports world, I told my dad on March 12th, it was his birthday, I said, you'll remember your 63rd birthday forever. I said, it's the day the world in sports stopped. Um, so where were you in that time where you had heard like, I guess the NBA went down and shut down and suspended and then the NCAA followed suit. So where were you? Because it's kind of one of those moments, like where were you 9-11? Where were you on March 12th when sports world shut down?
2: Let's see, March twelfth. It it seems like a week ago. I mean, as as far as you know, t- time in my mind. But yeah, I was just sitting at school, and I remember it was the first thing um, that I, that I'd actually read would have been the the tweet that the NBA suspended their season. I'm like, yeah, right. So of course, you know, I I get online and I start looking at it and find out about Rudy Gobert. And I'm like, as soon as the NBA did it, I'm like, this This is all going to be gone. And, and I think, you know, it was just kind of dominoes after that. Um, it's it kind of a funny story. I mean, my my parents, they go to, to spring training every single year. So, you know, usually they don't call during the day, but they were in route. So they they called. It was during my plan. They're like, yeah, we're in Garden City, Kansas, and we're turning around. And I'm like, really? They're like, yeah, we're not going. I go, if the NBA's done... You know, I, there's no way that they're going to do spring training, so they ended up being right, of course, and and turn it all around. But I mean, it was it was literally like surreal for me. And then you know, after after that, you're kind of sitting there, you know, how how is it going to affect high school sports? You know, we're in the middle of the, the high school basketball tournament here in Iowa. Uh, you know, we had we had kids playing that night, so you know, knowing that they really couldn't change everything, you know, right away, but last night they had to play in front of you know 200 people so yeah it'll it'll be something I definitely always remember and, and hopefully this will be the last one of the thing, the last one of these things that we ever have to go through
0: yeah absolutely well and you know coach Weaver and I talk, it's like we're, we're talking billions of dollars to our economy you know without March madness, without the masters, without spring training and baseball getting started on time and the NBA and the NHL and for guys like us boy what a great time to start releasing a whole bunch of podcasts because we've got a captive audience that doesn't have much else going on right now
2: there's no doubt about that i think there's there's probably all kinds of new uh, podcast subscribers and and guys checking things out and i know now everybody's kind of doing the the mad rush to do the online clinics i mean i bet you know our our inbox has been flooded because we've done you know three online summits and guys are just asking us, hey, you know, how, how could we do one of these things online? And, you know, glazier has gone completely online. So it, it's, it's definitely been good, I think, for, you know, the social media and the, and the tech business, I would think. But like you said, I mean, what, what a massive hit to, to the economy. And, and that's, to I me, mean, that's the other thing. I mean, people forget, you know, granted, yeah, health is, is important. But, I mean, thinking of all the people's jobs who are going to be affected you know the livelihood. I just think it's such a a bad deal. But at the same time, I mean, I I don't think this would be going on if if there wasn't some research behind it. Obviously, and I think you kind of have to trust the uh, the authorities that be. Even though you know, it, it might seem like we're jumping the gun a little bit. You know, who who knows? We flatten the curve a little bit here, and and maybe we end up on the the right side of it in a in a couple of months too. So.
1: Yeah, I was I was thinking about and the the biggest thing for me was the I guess the knee jerk reaction I guess by the NCAA to pull understood the basketball with March Madness and in the, in the conference tournaments understood that but then to to pull the rug I guess with with baseball and softball at least a, you know a question mark with me of where like why would we go that far um, removed but you know people know a lot more than we do. And they get a lot of more information than we do, so I'm it up to them. But it was just one of those things that was it was crazy to me, like when the NBA went down, I was like, All right, I, I get this and they stopped a the game and then a game was about to tip off and they postponed or canceled that game and then you see the incident follow suit and all that stuff. It's just one of those those surreal times, like, is this really happening? And then I thought, What's ESPN gonna talk about? <laughs> like I how many 30-for-30s can we put in, you know, can we put out there before people are tired of 30-for-30, 30 30, so?
2: I, yeah, I, I don't watch any ESPN hardly anyway unless there is a game on, so yeah. <laughs> I, I think, I, honestly, I mean, you know, without there being any games on, I, I literally won't even turn it on, so, yeah. you know, for me, it'll just be, uh, you know, old films and, and things I can watch on, on Netflix. I was just watching with the wife tonight, you know, hey, let's get caught up on – Uh, an American horror story. She she wants to get caught up on her great British baking shows. So I'm like, hey, it works for me, I'll be over here. I'll be on film, and and I'm going to try to do as many podcasts and videos as I can.
0: That's great. Uh, Well, Coach Wald, let's talk a little bit about Run the Power. You guys have really kind of exploded over the course of the last year and a half, two years. You're a little bit older than Coach Weaver and I here in our classroom, but – uh, talk a little bit about that. Where that idea came from? What prompted you to do it? The branding with Run the Power is awesome. Um, I mean, I really like your Rated R logo that goes with Run the Power. I'm a big running backs coach, so like you got to have a run game. You know, especially as playoff season comes here in Iowa, uh, we want to run the ball. We want to play great defense, and we, you know, just you want your defense to play great offense too. Uh, so tell us a little bit about run the power and where that came from and kind of where that's taken you on the journey the last couple of years.
2: Well, coach Harper had basically, you know, started in the off season. And I think he was literally going into convulsions because he, he didn't have the ability to talk ball. So I think he, he wanted a, a platform to start talking ball and it kind of started out. We just did like separate blogs. So he'd, He's like, hey, I'm going to write a blog about O-line play. And I was like, well, cool, I'll, I'll do one with you. And I'll start one, you know, talking about, like, developing coaches. So that was kind of our passions, you know. He was learning the offensive line game. And then I'm, I'm getting a little bit further into my career. And it's like I'm, I'm big on, you know, let's develop coaches for the next level. And then he, he comes back a couple of days later. He's like, hey, let's just combine them into to one deal. I was like, absolutely. And he comes back a couple of days later. And he's like, hey, let's uh, let's do a podcast. I'm like what? I don't even like, I don't even listen to podcasts. You know, I didn't know anything about it. And he's like, well, I'll I'll start the podcast and you can just be the first interviewee. So once we did the first one, he was like, dude, that was fun. Like I got done. I'm like, absolutely. We should do that like three, four times a week. So that's kind of how it got started. And he didn't, you know, really didn't know what to call it. We'd always said it at at Broken Arrow, like, hey man, when you know, when you don't know what to call or, you know, the, the rubber hits the road or it's third and one or it's it's inside the five, we were always like, We're gonna run the power. So that was kind of the, the the slogan for us, you know, it didn't matter what it was, we're gonna we're gonna run the power. And we figured when we first kinda got the start, we were gonna be, you know, offensive line and run game based and and it, it kinda just struck with people. It's easy, it's RTP, you know, people People understand it. People can uh, can relate to it, and, and honestly, it's it's simple. And then you really think about like what we do. I mean, we're we're two simple guys. I mean, we we sit there, we have conversations with guys for an hour. Um, we don't we don't act like we have all the answers. Um, so we feel like we're just kind of basic, just like power. So there's a lot of a lot of correlations to it. Um, you know, we're uh, we're open to, to all different kinds of things. I think you know, Coach Harper and myself are, are big-time explorers. We're always looking for better ways to do things. And honestly, this podcast has led us to a lot of cool things. Uh, you know, being able to find things, you know, like Coach Haller and being able to find things from Rob Williams. I just think we don't we don't really pigeonhole ourselves into to any one guy. We we feel like anybody. And can help us out anyone can can teach us something i mean i think coming down the pipe we'll probably even have like business leaders and and guys like that who will come on the podcast simply because i think we can learn anything from somebody else and we can apply it to football so that's kind of the story and kind of the evolution of it man really it started out super humble beginnings and you know if, if we ever had to, to go back to that i think coach harper and i wouldn't have any problem with it it's pretty fun
1: but JT, that sounds a lot like us. Um, that same story was kind of like, I never really thought of a podcast and and somebody told me like, I had some ideas about like what culture is. And like, I was at a teacher's conference, like you need to start a podcast with that. And I was like, okay, how do I do that? So I went and talked to our fourth grade, um, teacher who does all this tech stuff. And she goes, what do you want to learn how to do? I was like, I want to run how, learn how to run a podcast. And we did. And I guess what we're a year and almost two years, JT into this. And, and I tell him, it's like a clinic every night that we do these things. Like we to talk mm-hmm. to coaches across the country. And it's just amazing to see what, what coaches uh, are doing across the country, not just, you know, with, with X's and O's, but with culture and, and different ideas with strength and conditioning. It's just, it's, it, it turned out to be fun for us. Um, you know, and I was, I was blessed to get on RTP and, and got to share my story with you guys. That was, that was awesome as well. Um, I got to ask you this. You know, we just talked about run the power, but what is your favorite type of offense as we go forward? Like, you see big trends in football to where late in the 2000, like in 2000, Delta State was big with double wing and um, mid midline, Veer, uh, all that uh, with the double wing. And then you see the spread offense taking craze what where do you see trends in football going and then I got a second follow-up question with the speed aspect with you um, doing stuff with feed the cats but first like your favorite type of offense that you see going to and the one you like to run
2: uh, I like I like offenses that score a lot of points <laughs> <Good> <laughs> I, answer. Mean, I, I I don't I don't really have a, a, a favorite offense per se. I, I think you should have the ability to run the ball and I think you should have the ability to throw the ball. I mean that's that's always gonna kinda of be my philosophy. I'm I'm not necessarily saying balanced. I mean you can be a seventy percent or an eighty percent run team, but I still think then you should be able to throw the ball to score points, you know, or you you run into to good teams, you should be able to throw the ball efficiently and effectively to you know to, to be able to score points you know and I've I've been part of offenses that I've called where we threw it 70% of the time so you know having that ability I think to do both will allow you to be able to you know every year in high school we get a new crop of dudes or you know one year we might have a, a standout QB one year you got three receivers another year you got you got really good tailbacks I just think having the ability to do all those things is always going to be key I mean you see in college now, it used to be, you know, teams that run the ball and teams that play great defense, you know, the ones that win. Well, LSU threw for 5,500 yards last year, and, you know, they won it. And, and I would, I mean, they had a great defense. I wouldn't say, you know, they were shutting people out and things like that. So I think the the game's changed. Um, I think you, you just have to be able to score points, and then ultimately you have to be able to score points against really good teams. If you're going to win state titles and you're going to win, you know, national titles, you're gonna you're gonna run into really really good defenses like a Clemson or an Alabama, you know. And and how are you gonna be able to score points? Well, you better be pretty dominant up front if you're gonna if you're gonna smash through defenses like that. You know, D coordinators and athletes on those teams are too good. So to me, the the, the easiest way to to be able to do it is, you know, force them into one on one games on the perimeter. And if you have dudes on the perimeter, you're you're probably gonna be pretty hard to stop. So. I don't. I don't see that going away. You know, I think that the forward pass and the, and the RPO have have kind of leveled the playing field. Um, and and really, I think you, you really start to see now with you know running backs and tailbacks. You you hardly ever see a featured back anymore. It's always kind of by committee. So right. I think I think the, those kind of offenses forcing those one on one matchups and then you know having a QB who can extend plays. You know, if you're going to get five guys out in a route. know you got to have a QB doesn't necessarily have to be Lamar Jackson but you know somebody who can get outside the pocket you know force guys to cover for five to six seconds and and hit some explosive plays so I don't think any of that's changing uh defensively I guess if you talk defensively to me it's it's got to be you got to have the ability to play two fronts I mean you got to be able to play even and odd I I think just because of the the variety of offenses you see and and if it's me calling the defense I'm going to be aggressive as heck
1: yeah yeah, we had uh we had that happen. Um, you know, we threw the ball a lot this year. We threw for 593 in the championship game. And uh, one of the guys was like, well, how are they going to cover those five guys or those four guys that you have out there? And, and the D coordinator was like, it's easier to cover up one. And are just going to blitz the heck out of them. So uh, they blitzed us mm-hmm. and, and played man coverage, played man press, and, and we made them pay for it. Thankfully, our O-line, they held up that night. But um, – you know, I, I'm with you on that. Uh, i got to talk about you're a wide receiver coach, and I'm a wide receiver coach real quick. And I saw the tweet that you put out there. Um, I thought it was awesome congratulating the – I guess it was a guy that played on the state basketball team that was also a wide receiver for you. Um, yeah. Just talk about the culture real quick of of your the relationship you have with your guys. And I see hashtag war um, – I don't know if that stands for anything or anything like that, but uh, just talk about your relationship and the culture you have set inside your wide receiver group.
2: Well, war was something we'd we'd come up with a few years ago. I think it. Yeah, I think it was three seasons ago, and it just means win, win being aggressive and relentless. So everything we talk about is is winning, and and just being aggressive and relentless, and it just kind of becomes the the mindset for for our guys, and I I just love the word win because it's so simple and it's such an easy coaching point, you know, and then everyone's like, oh, yeah, well, well no dub. I, I, I think it gets swept away all the time. I mean, at, at the end of the day, you know, even in the game of football, it's not about the scheme for 11 guys. It's not about, you know, what look were they in? What was, what was this? What was that? I mean, you're, if you're a receiver, you have to win. So if, you're, if it's a run game, you're winning your blocks, right? If it's, right. A, if it's a route, I have to win route space. And I have to be able to, to win separation. And at the end of the day, I have to be able to win the catch. So I, I think it, it really makes it simple for our guys. And then the aggression and the relentlessness kind of just becomes the, the mindset of those guys. It's going to be every single play. Uh, when the ball's in the air, we're, we're going to go up and get it. You know, we don't talk about 50-50 balls. It's a swear word in our room. <laughs> it's, a, it's 100%. I mean, and and that's the mentality we have. Are we Are we going to catch them all? Absolutely not but the only reason that we didn't catch it is because we didn't catch it.
0: Right.
2: right? I mean, that's, that's the only reason it wasn't because of the DB it wasn't because of anything else. We just didn't get to it. So I think setting that, that mentality has, has been really, really key. And then not only that, I mean, you talk about the family atmosphere in there. I think receivers can be prima donnas if you let them be prima donnas. Oh, yeah. um, to me, it's, it's a deal where that's your job as the coach to, to not allow any of that stuff to, to start. So I try to tell guys, Hey, six guys are going to play, you know, or in at least six guys are, are going to be, you know, kind of with those first two units and you're going to get, you know, ones and twos, you know, reps, whatever, kind of with the varsity. So knowing that it's not just one or two guys that play all the time, you know, guys have, have spots they can do. It, it really becomes a lot more of a family atmosphere, I right. think. Um, Literally, I'm just there to, to enforce a lot of those standards, you know, max effort, full speed, you know, remind these guys of some of these things. We do a lot of fundamental work early on. But after I've given these guys a lot of coaching, they, they take it and they go build their own house. I love, you know, Coach Holler says that. It's from, you know, the book, Chop, I it's Chop Wood, Carry Water. You know, yep. build your own house. So I, I kind of get out of the way. Um, I let them create. Um, I let them coach each other. And you see it a lot. I mean, you, we talk about learning in the, in the classroom. You know, hey, if you can teach things, if you can coach things, you're probably going to be an expert in that field. So I think when kids learn how to learn and understand that it's, it's okay and understand, you know, that, that coach is going to back me up on that stuff, they, they start to help each other out. So it becomes a lot more of a family and a brotherhood. And honestly, we don't have any of those issues with guys hey, I'm not getting the ball. Hey, I, I didn't get my stats. It's all about just what's the first W we talk about. It's all about winning. So our guys take a lot of pride in that. Um, as far as my relationship with them, they, I think they know that I'll do anything for those guys. You know, I'll, I'll back them up in practice. You know, if I know they've run a lot of routes, I'll 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 take them out. You know, and, and if you know someone wants to give them some flack, I'll take the flack. Um, right. Anytime those guys need recommendations anytime they need help with the teacher help with homework you know they they got it you know helping their personal lives girlfriends whatever they know they got it but at the same time I'm not the guy that's like the point of authority in their life because I think when they see as just another you know authority figure and rule maker it's going to be a lot of problems so to me it's it's I support you guys I'm here to, to make sure you guys hold yourself to that standard but honestly now it's to the point where they hold themselves to that standard, it, it kind of just runs itself. I'm literally like the, the manager. <laughs> yeah,
0: That's a, it's a great place to be, Coach Walls. And, uh, you know, I teach Chapwood Carry Water in my class of 7th graders. And I know there's criticism out there like, oh, can 7th graders really handle it? But I worry about if you don't give them that content, I wonder if they're ever going to get it again in their life from somebody else. And every year that I've taught this book with the study guide and all the classroom discussions that go with it, and it's loosely tied to state standards, but it always comes back to chapter two, that year in and year out is the kids' favorite where it's you're building your own house. And so the more you can reinforce those values and the fundamentals and living by your principles and not your feelings, I mean, that's gonna be so powerful for them uh, or four for 40, you know, like 4 you're, you're doing it for four years for the next 40 years. So you're setting them up for adulthood by teaching them that lesson right now. Um, yeah, I, tell
2: them, I, I oh, agree, sorry. man. I'm like, I, you're, you're fine. I, I just think when you talk now. about seventh graders, you know, every, the, the gripe you hear all the time is like, you know, and I teach seventh grade now too. It's the first time I ever have. And you'd hear the gripe, like, man, they're just, they're not responsible. They're not mature. They can't handle this. They can't handle that. And I'm like, I don't, I I take that label completely off. It's like, if we want these kids to learn how to be responsible, we got to, we got to relinquish some of the control. And I I think you got to let them go make mistakes, you know, and let them mess up. And then it's a, then it's a check. Hey, let's have a talk here. Let's talk about this, you know? That's the only way to learn. You know, I, I, I feel like when we, we do everything for them, You know you build the house for them they're not going to appreciate as much and and all of a sudden now you put the onus back on them and that responsibility and then yeah knowing they're going to mess up and you you help them fix it do you show them a better way to do some of those things it carries itself forward and i tell you what the seventh graders can do it you know there's there's no doubt in my mind they can do it
0: i've seen it my own two eyes yeah you know i tell people all the time that we're in the second chance business i mean that's what i do as a seventh grade teacher you know they're going to mess up you know they're not going to get it right the first couple times. For some of the stubborn kids, it might take three-quarters of the year. But, you know, it's about second chances. It's about still having a 12-, 13-, 14-year-old kid who's impressionable and then showing them what they're not getting anywhere else in their life. So I think that chop would carry water. I think that's really valuable for young people to understand. Uh, Tell us real quick about what do you do for kids. So I've got – I've, I've got a kid right now that's sticking out my mind, and I've got a great relationship with him, but he's really disconnected himself from the rest of the team and the rest of the coaching staff. Uh, so at least I'm still there for a lifeline for him, but I really worry when it comes down to like our coaching staff with United Front, with our with our message we want to tell our team, is like he's really gonna kind of be on the ends of that. And, and it's ultimately gonna come back to our relationship, his relationship with me. Uh, where again, my job is to support what what we decide collectively as a group. What do you do to help keep those kids building their house in the right direction? Do you have any of that right now in your wide receiver group or um, within that war culture? Do you have any people that are resistors or not quite buying in? I think there's
2: always going to be guys that are that are kind of on the outside, and I think it's it's my job to kind of figure out, you know, maybe what what button it is. You know, do they do they not have the confidence? Is there is there something else that's taken away from it? You know, for me to sit there and think that, you know, football's priority, you know, I would say even five for some of these kids, that's that's probably going to be pretty unrealistic. So I think sometimes it's just having the conversation with them. It's like, hey, I know, I know maybe you're going through some rough stuff. I know maybe you don't have the confidence. Maybe you don't think it's, you know, the, the playing time or, or whatever it might be. But just letting – letting that kid know that that he still has worth to the team you know hey the, the guys like having you around you know you've got buddies on the team I love working with you I think just letting them know that that's the most important thing instead of being you know a contributor and being there every single day in the weight room and what are your numbers and what is your speed stuff I just think hey man you you being around you're you're a joy to be around so I think you know trying to let them know and reassure them that even though they they might be going through through some of these issues there's always going to be someone that's like hey man we, we count on you we like having you around so i think sometimes that that'll maybe push them through a little bit and then once they get back into kind of the the routine and the group culture a lot of times you'll see them you know they kind of get reaccept reaccepted again and i think that's the other thing is you know when you educate your guys on you know, kind of that pack mentality and and being a family and taking care of each other. I think it it becomes second nature. I mean, we've we've had a couple of kids who've been out you know a long time with sickness, and we and we haven't been able to, to you know see them for a while. So a, a couple of our guys will just kind of take it upon themselves. Like, hey man, we're throwing this weekend. Oh, I'm still sick, and they'll take food to those guys or so they'll go see those guys. So. We're lucky enough to, you know, have maybe a couple of guys that we can kind of call on as well. Like, hey, I think Jimmy's, I think Jimmy's kind of on the fringe right now. How about you guys have a, a little talk to him as well? And they've done a pretty good job of, of bringing him back into the pack.
1: Yeah, I think that's important too because we've had a I had a bunch of coaches, you know, with what we do with our our micro culture, the ARV, and a lot of coaches are like, well, does every team? have to have that do you have to be a head coach to have that kind of niche and i, and I think the more we go in high school athletics or even middle school athletics like identifying that unit um that pack mentality as you said to kind of hey you you're responsible for these 14 guys and like the quarterbacks or have their quarterback coach in this unit and the o-line you know that's a whole deal in itself with the offensive line they have to they have to definitely be on the same page with with um with what they do. Um, I just, can you talk a little bit about, cause I know there's some coaches out there, Brady, that don't, they think they have to be a head coach to, to start a unit culture or a unit identity, uh, of just maybe how you started, uh, started war and, and just how it's not hard, how it's not hard to just start building relationship with guys. And, and we might've touched on this a little bit, but, um, just want to hear it from a third person, just instead of just from us, just how, how much more valuable it is when you take identity into your uh, position group and how much more fulfilling is where it's not just ball on Friday night. It's more of a relationship and lifelong uh, friendships.
2: Yeah. I think I, 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 brand, I, like to, to brand it, you know, I, I like to, to celebrate it and, and put it out there. I think, I think some guys, some guys almost take it like, like you're showing off or, or some guys take it like, you know, we're, we're beating our chest or something like that. So I think, I think a lot of it, it, it can be fear. Because I know early on, that's the way I was. You know, I'm just put my head down and go to work. But at, at the same time, I think, you know, kid, kids like to be recognized for that. So using, you know, Twitter and, and some of those things. And I, I think, again, when you have that identity and there's something that unifies it, the, the language is all the same. You know, guy, guys start speaking the same thing. Like all mm-hmm. of them now, they know. I mean, it's it's feed the hawks with everything. You know, uh, we we have those those taglines, and and it just becomes like you said, part of of who we are. You know, you know, when you say identity, it just becomes this is who we are. This is the way that we play. And when I when I'd said war, and you know, and we talked about it, it just kind of became the way that we played. And then we were competing for knockdown blocks. We were competing for for effort blocks. We were competing to make, you know, big plays. And then when guys when guys did it, it wasn't like you know negative competition. It was hey, great job this week, but I'm going to beat you next week. Yeah. You know, and I think I think, you have to have a group mentality. Otherwise, it's going to be a bunch of, of individuals, and, and it's going to be a problem. You know, there's there's going to be that, that unhealthy competition. Right. Well, Jimmy Jimmy gets the ball because he's friends with so-and-so, and I'm going to be over here in my little crew. So, you know, finding ways to, to create that identity. And I know when, when we created it together, it was, it was all behaviors that, that we felt like we needed to have. You know, we, yeah. we needed to be better blockers. We needed to have some better effort on the perimeter in, in some of these things. So I think when it was all centered around, like, behaviors and, and things that weren't necessarily, like, stat-driven or catch-driven, you know, and stuff that everybody could compete for, right. now everybody could kind of rally behind it and, and cheer for it. Um, I, know, I know for me, too, the other thing – and I talk a lot about this. These are my two big things. And I put them as a reminder in my in my receiver manual for me is, is number one, I, I got to remain credible. So I, I have to be a credible leader in my guys' eyes. I can't ask them to do anything. If if I lose credibility with those guys, I'm done. So I, I got to make sure, you know, whatever I'm preaching, I got to make sure I'm doing that. Um, I got I to make sure I'm, I'm making the right choices off the field, you know, and, and not not speaking with with bad language and you know respecting women and things like that i think that goes a long way you know i mean kid, kids kids got to be able to trust you and see it as credible otherwise it's going to be a problem and then the other two that i say and these are my favorite ones no labels no limits
0: mm.
2: so i try not to label kids uh at all you know you hear it all the time like this guy's lazy this guy's too small this guy's too slow this guy's too short I mean, I've heard every label there is, and that's super powerful in, in molding a kid's future. You know, if you, you instantly put a label on or, or a coaching staff or a coaching staff member puts that label on them and you play along with it, you're, you're not doing that kid any justice. So I try not to use any labels as best I can. And then the other one's no limits. I don't put any limits on those kids. Hey, hey we did this. Well, let's, let's, let's go to the next level. Hey, you know, you, you could run this fast. Let's see how fast you could get now. I mean, literally, I, I talk in terms of, of no labels and no limits all the time, and I think that's that's huge in, in molding, you know, who the kids are. When kids, you know, they hear that positivity and they hear that, you know, next-level stuff, I, I think it really
0: motivates them, and they, they start pushing each other to hit those limits too.
1: Yeah, that's fantastic.
0: Yeah, Yeah, your label is really like a ceiling, so when you hold people to a label or you adhere the label to whatever – you know, a can, for example. I mean, you're really defining what that is, and then there's a ceiling and there's no getting past it. You know, like my can of carrots in my cupboard right now is carrots. I'm not going to open it up and find corn, you know. (laughs) So I think that's a really powerful message, especially, you know, at the middle school level again or dealing with emerging leaders. And to speak to that, what do you guys do for development? How do you get kids excited to play you know, to see value in special teams? How do you get kids to to develop in feeder programs like your JV or the freshman level? What are some things that you do to build that culture there?
2: Our freshman coaches, and we've had them on, on RTP, and, and it was like one of our top five best uh, podcasts. I mean, in one day, I mean, they, they did a phenomenal job. Our freshman guys, there's three coaches, you know, they're coaching 50, 60 kids. Between the three of them, both sides of the ball, and I think they've they've lost one game in three years. And uh, you know, the, the biggest thing is they get more kids out for football. So I think you know, my my biggest thing, and I talk about again, you know, is we want to we want to be a program that attracts athletes. So I think they do a phenomenal job of attracting kids to the program, and then hopefully making that experience fun. You know, hey, when you win, it's fun. You know, a lot of guys play; it, it's fun. So I think that's one way to do it. You know, we're not, we're not beating them down. Um, as far as special teams, we, we have, we do the helmet stickers. Uh, I think it's, it's phenomenal. Every single unit has, you know, I I believe it's two benchmarks. So, you know, any, any unit, if you're on a bunch of those, you get more helmet stickers. Um, we have a special teams player of the week. Um, we, we have JV players of the week that we, we recognize all the time, um, I think we do, we do a phenomenal job of, of not only you know recognizing those guys, but then we, we coach all those guys. Um, our freshmen are with us all summer, and our, our freshman coaches will actually say, this is one of the reasons why we, we've kind of taken it to another level because they lift with the varsity kids. They're seeing the good examples. So they're in the, the same weight room, and then not only that, they're getting coached by the cool varsity coaches. So I think they, they see the importance of it. Um, I try to do things, too, when, especially when you're dealing with younger guys, you know, when we're talking about speed, I, I try to have, you know, not only, you know, your top top ten or your top five fastest guys, I try to put, like, your freshmen in there, too, or we're talking about, you know, some of the guys that might not be your top-line guys, hey, this guy's gotten this much faster. So finding ways to, you know, to really acknowledge the, the effort that those, those guys give, and, and honestly, I mean, you know, getting guys to play special teams and getting guys to, to play JV really hasn't been much of a problem simply because I think the, the trickle-down of the culture and then winning and and having a good time and having fun has has really started to take hold.
1: Well, Brady, you've, you've mentioned something that's intrigued me over the past probably two months about diving into, uh, you've been saying it, uh, you said it I think three times already, is feed the Hawks. And that comes from uh, the program called Feed the Cats. And uh, Mm -hmm. I'm excited to talk about this part with you uh, a lot because the record, rank, publish, and and what you were just talking about with special teams and how you celebrate those guys. And there's a benchmark that they have to reach. Um, Talk about your journey into Feed the Cats and what it's done for you guys, uh, not just in uh, football, but also in track. Uh, of how it's maybe leveled y'all up to a to a different level on how you're competing, how your guys are competing in practice, uh, and what they do in track meets versus you know what they do on Friday nights for you on football.
2: Well, Coach Holler obviously was the the guy that you know had kind of put all this stuff together. I know he's been doing it for for a long time. Um, when we had him on the podcast, and there there was a, a a bunch of coaches that, again. It said, "Hey, you got to get Coach Holler on. You got to get Coach Holler on." And he'd never done a podcast before, so we were the first ones that had him. And like I said, I'd never heard of him. Um, and I and what I what I found out while while we're sitting there, I'm, I'm I'm just sitting there taking notes and I'm I'm nodding every single time, like, "Yep, I agree with that. Yep, that makes sense. Yep, that makes sense. Yep, I agree with that." And and he was almost like, I think he was like weirded out. He's like, "Hey, you know you." I'm on your guys' podcast. You don't have to agree with everything I say. Like usually when I talk to guys, like I get into some sort of argument, <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like Tony, I'm 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 dead serious when I say this. He's like, I agree with everything you're saying. I mean, way back when when I was coaching in South Dakota, we'd kind of done a lot of these things, and we'd stumbled upon it on our own. Um, and then when I went to to Oklahoma, I mean, it was <laughs> it was like it was like going up Hamburger Hill for some <laughs> of those kids. I mean. Yeah. It was nuts. So, I mean, I kind of I kind had gotten away from it and then and come back. But now, you know, listening to him and seeing how it makes sense and then not only that, trying it and doing it with our kids and then seeing the, the effects that it's had, like 100% sold. So I think, you know, n- number one for, for me, again, attract athletes. If you want to get your best athletes out, like track can't suck. Yeah. You know, football can't suck. You know, that's, that's the thing. You know, if I want to get my best receivers out, my basketball players, my, my fast kids, if the football practice is three hours long and they're basically running mileage and they're not getting faster,
0: that,
2: that's not attracting cats. It's not attracting athletes. So that's kind of number one with this. Guys know that, hey, you know, th- there's going to be speed days. There's got to be other days. But the longest we're going to practice is going to be two hours once a week. Well, they, they, they start to see that and they know that, all right, coach, coach cares about me. The second part's then I, I talk about empowering athletes. Mm. So teaching them the things that they need to do uh, to, to not only, you know, run the plays that we run and, and execute the offense, but then also let you, being part of their athletic development. So with, with that attracting and empowering, I kind of built a little uh, pyramid that we do. And, again, it's holler-based. But at the base of the pyramid, we want athletes that are happy, healthy, they're rested, they're recovered, they're winning, they're loved, and they're getting encouraged. So mm-hmm. as long as we're hitting all those things on the bottom, and then we can kind of go to that next level. If guys are beaten down, the best thing we can do, get them out of there. You know, if, if, guys, if guys aren't winning, guys are constantly getting beat down, whatever it might be, get them out of there. Find ways to get them a win. Uh, love them up, encourage them. I think all those things kind of come first. And then everything we do then is, is based about speed and power. Right? I'm not. I don't care how much how much they can lift. It's all about speed and power. So we schedule everything around that. All of our speed sessions come first, and then it's going to be power movements, explosive movements in the weight room, and then I put on on the top of it strength and skill. Mm. Because I think if you're fast and you're powerful, you're probably going to be really skilled and strong. So that's kind of been the way we've changed it. And then not only you know having having kind of that those those pillars. It makes the decisions I make a lot easier uh, for feed the cat. So, like again, I, I run it through that filter. Are, are we are we rested? Are we recovered? Are our guys happy and healthy? I mean, run it through that first, and then it's like, okay, are we getting faster? You know, being able to, to kind of check the data uh, on that all the time. Um, with our kids in season, we, we changed the way we lifted too. Uh, we went completely minimum effective dose, and not only that, we let our we let our kids we let our kids, you know, kind of self-regulate. You know, teach them them and and let them know the weights and things that we do in the weight room are, are, quote, suggestions. Now, if you don't have any competitions and you're in the off-season, you should do the whole workout, right? Our guys understand that. But if you're in season and you're a basketball player, which, by the way, our basketball team just won the the state championship, we're super smart about how those guys lifted. You know, we, we showed them how to do cluster work, you know, we, we showed them how to, you know, lessen the weight. We had them do extra X factor things and jump things in the weight room instead of, you know, crushing sets of eight on the squats and they're not going to be able to move. So Mm -hmm. you, you watch those kids play the last three nights. I mean, it's a grind. You got to play three nights in a row. Our guys look ridiculously fast and fresh. So I mean, our basketball coaches did a phenomenal job with you know, the way that they practiced. And like I said, we supplemented. We didn't ruin any of the stuff they were doing because we were smart in the weight room. So I think, you know, being flexible, trusting your kids, trusting your athletes, as long as they're getting faster and, and they're getting some wins and they're, they're getting confident, it, it, it works. You know, build racehorses, not workhorses. on our dudes to be fast. And then last part, tired's the enemy. I don't want our guys to be tired want our guys to, to be fast and explosive. So that kind of takes us through the whole thing. And then, I mean, the ways we do it, I mean, it's anytime it's a speed day, we're timing it. And I've gone completely away from, you know, I, I don't even like to time 40s anymore. I'm, I'm, I'm all about 100% bought in on the 10-yard fly. Mm. I've, yep. read, I've read a bunch of articles on it, and they're even saying, I mean, if you, if you increase max speed, so being able to to see what their times are and in the ten yard fly, and again, I think the ten yard fly is is the most accurate because it's a you know shorter distance. Make sure they have a long enough run. And I mean, the kids are going to end up running about a thirty to a forty yard run anyway. But right. the ten yard fly telling you that that max speed. You know, not only does it raise their max speed, it raises the floor. So when they get tired. They're, they're still going to be faster. Um, and they've even done the, the studies that, yeah, if your 10-yard fly gets faster, you'll be faster in the 40. Your start gets faster automatically. So to me it's like most bang for your buck. I'm like, well, if that's the truth, and I'm talking about minimum effective dose, if I can focus on the 10-yard fly, there it is. Why, why would I focus on other things? So with our speed and power athletes, that's, that's all we focus on. So our guys are, are worried about the stopwatch. They all know their 10-yard fly times, and they know how many miles per hour they can run. So wow. we, we're timing that two times a week. And then all the rest of the stuff we do with X-Factors, we do ton of wickets because I think so many kids struggle with, with full-speed mechanics. And then it's all just, you know, jump, catch, mobility, anything we can think of on those days. And the longest we'll practice for, again, is an hour. And the only reason we go an hour is because we have – ninety kids. So I mean <laughs> I mean if, if we had if we had less kids we'd be out of there, I'm not kidding you, in fifteen to twenty minutes wow. some days. So our our guys see it, man. They get the most bang for the buck and, and now here's the other thing is they all believe in it. You I mean you see that you yeah. see the hashtags. Feed the hawks. Feed the hawks. I get I get texts from kids all the time. Coach, I feel great. Feed the freaking hawks. So <laughs> yeah. when they're when they're bought in on it, the coaches are bought in on it, everybody's, you know, relaxed and and happy and healthy, and our wives love us. It's like, man, all this stuff just falls into place, and let's just let the chips fall where they may. We're not stressing about it. We're going to be going to be healthy. We're going to be fast. See what happens.
1: Yeah, and that's such the name of the game now, and you see not just in high school football, but in college, and now also, I guess, in the NFL, is speed kills. And uh, the, yeah. normally the fastest team is the one that's uh, going to be the most successful. And I think a lot of time, too, you, you brought up a great point. You know, it reduces injury. Think about the times. And I, and I went yep. back, when you were talking about this, uh, I went back to my high school days when we would grind for two hours and 45 minutes. And then we'd have to run sprints afterwards. And I was like, what are we doing? Like, why am I running to get in shape? But they yeah. want us to play fast. So, you know, there's there's a lot of truth to that. And, you know, I I was messing with uh, Tori. I was like, I, I came up with, you had Feed the Hawks. And, um, you know, we've won the state track championship this past year. And, and I said, you know what, we're going to feed the pats. So we're going to feed the pats. And, and, um, uh, I'm still diving in a lot of, um, coach holler stuff and, I'm uh, going to continue to communicate with you on stuff on, on how to make my guys faster and, and more efficient. Well, I just, I mean, I
2: love, I love coach holler cause I'll, I'll send him a text every now and again, you know, and it's. You know, asking him for for a workout or something like that, he's like, "Hey, just do a speed day." You know, he 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 is the ultimate in you know essentialism. He he doesn't know what my athletes need. You know, he he hasn't been there all the time. It's to me having having that that filter to make decisions. You know, is this going to keep us happy, health and healthy and fresh? Is this going to make us faster? I think being able to ask those questions really leads you to do the things that you need to do, and that's. Uh, another thing I've, I've run through, I run through that filter. And then if, if I'm, I got to be excited about it. If, I'm, if I can't rate it a nine or a 10 and I'm, I can't be excited about what we're going to do, why would we do it? Cause yeah. I mean, I, I got to build to coach. It, I got to get kids juiced. You know, they got to be ready to rock and roll for it, but they're going to follow my lead. Right. So if, if I can't, if I'm just like, uh, you know, I'll, I'll rate it about a five. Why am I doing it? So to me, it's, it's either a nine or a 10 or it's a zero. And again, I got I got that from the the book Essentialism, and Holler had told me he goes, this book will change your life. And I'm not I'm not kidding you. It has. And then you're just so at ease with the decisions you make. You know, sending kids home and letting them go rest, and then them texting you like, God, I feel great. I can't wait to compete. I mean, that's the stuff you want to be hearing. And then you're just pump you're just pumping them up even more. Man, you, dude, you're gonna fly tomorrow. Yeah. You're gonna go tomorrow. I can't wait to watch you tomorrow. I mean, it's just. All that dopamine is just getting pumped into those kids, and they're just getting confident, confident, confident. They're so loose, they're so ready to rock and roll that by the time competition comes around, they're they're just relishing it, mm-hmm. and they, they can't wait for it. And to me, that's like that's when you know you've done your job as a coach, in my mind. When the kids are the kids are jacked to go, whatever happens happens. Either way, I'm gonna I'm gonna be happy with it because they're gonna put their best effort forth.
0: Well, I think you said it right there, you know, if if you're not sold on something, if you have to ask somebody, and we all do it, right? We're in the middle mm-hmm. of the season, it's a grind, like, I experienced that a lot during wrestling, you know, wrestling, January, days get long, mm-hmm. kids have broken down, they've been wrestling for a couple months, wrestling's huge in Iowa, as you know, and oh yeah, it, it's just like, that minimum dose because we we all know the benefits too we have to lift during season we have to have a workout i can't just give you days off because you don't feel like it but it's almost like a mental day off when you walk into the weight room and it's and it's hey give me two reps at whatever percent you know and the program that we have has that all specified for us it's like that's freeing to the athlete. It's like, oh man, I got my workout in, but it wasn't really that hard or it didn't feel like hard, but I but I know I'm making gains. And, you know, from a coaching perspective, there's a lot of days where I walk in the wrestling room and it's like, Oh, oh gosh, what are we gonna what am I gonna do now? Like what I gotta have practice, what am I gonna do? And really that's a feed the caps day for you, you know. So like if, if Coach Holler says, Well, just go speed I mean, that's the answer you're looking for. You don't want it because there's 9 million other things rolling around in the back of your head, but how mentally freeing is that to just be able to go back to that and say, yep, this is what we stand for, this is what we do, and this is how we do it?
2: A hundred percent, man. It makes it makes every decision make sense. Again, I mean, it's pri- prioritize speed, prioritize health. You know, how, how are the guys feeling? And to me, that that's like the questions I ask our guys all the time. They probably get tired of it. Hey, how you feeling? Hey, how you feeling? You doing all right? Hey, how you feeling? I mean, that's literally all I do walking around the weight room, just giving them fist bumps, man. Hey, how you feeling, Coach? I feel great. Coach, I, Coach, I'm a little sore here. Well, hey, let's change up. You know, this part of the routine. You know, hey, why are you sore? What, what's your What's your sleep patterns look like? How you been recovering? Well, you know, I had to work all weekend at High V. I was on my, I was on my feet all week. Hey, okay, hey, let's chop this down. Let's go about half this. Don't worry about it. Let's cluster it. And again, that builds credibility. Because, yeah. again, what what am I doing? I care more about the kid than I do the program. Does, is, is the program going to fall apart because one kid didn't do eight reps on squat? I mean, that that's the, the biggest thing to me is is having that care, having that credibility, and having that pulse on the program. But then I, I wouldn't do that if, if I wasn't running through a filter like you said, Coach. I mean, I want to prioritize the, the athletes feeling great, and then I want to prioritize the athletes' speed. Hey, no, mm-hmm. we got a speed day tomorrow. Dude, that's let's take it easy i'd rather have you run really really fast tomorrow and have that be that part of your workout than you squat a bunch of weight today so it it makes it makes decisions so easy like super easy yeah and uh, and at the end of the day when you you're seeing the results and you can just you can just sit at peace because you know i i know that that me you know, putting together a workout and that kid doing a workout honestly at the end of the day is, is that what's going to make or break how well that kid participates no and there's no way to know so i mean it, even if the kid goes out and, and wins the the 100 meter dash it really had nothing to do with what my workout was you know it probably has a lot more to do with how that kid feels and and how he's he's prepared himself so i've really just kind of come to that piece and it, and it feels great just knowing hey man enjoy the journey let's see what happens we got the we got the thoroughbreds to the race and they all feel great
0: so let's see what happens well, then, then you got those kids that are on the fence that aren't sure. You know, I think about sophomores because sophomore year is really hard in athletics. A lot of sophomores are being asked to contribute in some way to a varsity level. Uh, you're not really freshman anymore. There's a talent gap there. Your body's still growing and maturing. And so you get anybody in there who's not really on the same page or doesn't want to be there, and all of a sudden – that totally changes the burden, right? Like they got if, if football is number eight on your priority list of things that you got to get through in your day, all of a sudden, if you've got to feed the cat's practice, you can get through that day.
2: Absolutely. And they, they yeah there's no doubt about it. They know there's not going to be some some grind workout. There's no there's not going to be something you know that's that's there to, to kill them. They know that the workouts that we do, are 100 percent there for them to be you know effective and if it's if it's you know some extenuating things that they know you know happened it's it's so cool now because they can have those open conversations with us and we and we can figure those things out i mean we we actually post like everybody's schedule in the weight room now or at least talk about it on the weight weight room so what you know what does track have this weekend or this week what does baseball have this week you know, figure out what kids might have extra, hey, what days are you throwing? So I, I think it puts everybody on the same page and then at the end of the day, like you said, when it is feed the cats, it's like, hey, minimum effective dose, let's get done what we, what What can we prioritize to make it the most important? Hey, we got speed day tomorrow, let's prioritize speed, let's take it easy on your legs, lift upper body, or, hey, coach, I got this tomorrow, I'm not going to be able to run, alright, cool, Let's let's hit your legs a little bit since you're going to have a few days off, so yeah, the kids the kids love it there's there's no doubt in my mind I haven't heard anyone yet that that's complaining about do le- doing less and achieving more <laughs> yeah
1: that's a big deal you know and I think what you said too Brady was the, the credibility part of it uh, of letting those guys know that you care more about them and hey who you are as an athlete and what you do inside of our program matters not sacrificing oh you have to do all eight reps of this squat and make sure that you do these and if you don't you're failing the team that's That's old school thinking, um, just like you said. Um, I want to wrap up with this, and it's one of the coolest things that y'all started, uh, and I think I saw somebody talking about another dojo that they had, but um, talk about the RTP dojo, and you've already had uh, a coach from Bixby in there. Uh, Talk about the experience with that and and what what you and Coach Harper are wanting out of the dojo, because I'm going to be close to there and I might have to just make the trip to go uh in April uh to go see the dojo uh, after I go and speak at the uh Southeast Iowa Coaches Clinic
0: well coach Harp
2: he's been wanting to get a space for a while you know he's he's a lot of the you know brains of the recording and, and video aspects so he does a phenomenal job with that so he wanted a space um, it was just kind of a matter of time for us to to wait until you know we could find the right one so we found the right space uh, and he put it all together literally in like three days did a great job but you know we're kind of thinking we're kind of thinking like you know the, the john gruden show where you know he had his basically his basement and he had the the whiteboard and you know and he, and he filmed his his qB shows in there we want to do that with coaches so when when guys come in guys will, will schedule time and and we'll build a film clinics that we do in there, but just making it more like, you know, informal guys getting getting up on the whiteboard, sharing some things that they, they have, and then being able to put it up on our, our premium site. And then uh, Coach Harp and I got some pretty good ideas, I think, of, of what, you know, he and I are going to do, so when, when we have time to go down there and, and get in the lab, you know, being able to, to break down film together and, and film and some of that stuff. So I think we've got some, some pretty good ideas there, but – the, the best part too I think is just be it's a it's a hangout for football coaches to go to so, you know if guys guys want to do like a staff retreat you know guys guys could you know kind of rent it out from us or whatever if guys want a clinic with us you know they could come down and, and, and talk because we got we got two rooms in there it just becomes like another staff office guys can go out and golf and and do things in the summer so, just kind of becomes a, a football epicenter where where people can go and 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 I think just kind of focus on things. I know when, when we try to meet and get things done here in Ankeny, there's always something that pulls you away. Well, so-and-so has got a softball tournament or so-and-so has got a volleyball tournament or so-and-so has got to go play basketball. And I, and I get that, but now it's like we can, we can schedule out some time Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, knock it all out in a day. We talk about minimum effective dose. Hey, let's (laughs) focus on it for one day. We can get it all done right now and, and have a, a pretty solid plan. And then we can, can roll from there. So I think, there's a, a lot of cool things we can do with it, but you know, at the end of the day, people that are RTP fans, we're, we're looking forward to guys just popping in and and hanging out. Um, TV, soda, coffee, man, whatever those guys want. So it'll be fun. You'll,
1: you'll definitely have an MRA football helmet in there. Um, definitely have one on on the fridge. It's got to be on that- the fridge.
2: That is going to be one of the, the prerequisites. Anyone that comes, they got they got to bring like helmet stickers, or they got to bring something from their school. No, know?
1: I'm bringing a helmet, decaled up. That's what I'm doing. There I'm bringing. We go. <laughs> All
2: right. I say we we uh, we're going to try to get as much football memorabilia in there as we can. Um, I'm I'm going to try to buy. I want to buy a couple of posters, like you know, uh, samurai stuff. So. Oh yeah. It'll be it'll be crazy, man. It'll be kind of like the uh, the Joe Rogan, you know. Hang out or whatever that he has, but it'll be more of obviously the uh, the football base. But we're excited to get down there. Uh, you know, Coach Harper's gone all, all this week, so I'll probably have to wait maybe until uh, next weekend before I can
0: actually get in there. But but it'll be it'll be a good time. Well, Coach Walls, as we wrap up here, uh, just always ask our guests, what's your caring trademark? Um, you know, if you see me at a, at a at an Iowa High School Athletics Association event, I'm going to have purple shoes on just what what we do probably really hard color to get used to here in Denison but I kind of take it and make it my own so uh could be something you wear or something that you do maybe a ritual that you have with your athletes or within your classroom uh I know you're a big Husker fan so like I I've I've got a horseshoe in my classroom that I hit when I really need some good luck and uh just what's your carrying trademark that you do
2: I, the kids will always make fun of me. If you see me, I'll probably have a monster in my hand. So I mean, my, my one last <laughs> vice is I I drink, I drink monster like it's going out of style. You know, I, I gave up drinking alcohol. I don't I don't smoke or do cigars or you know, or chew or anything like that. So my my one vice is caffeine. So mm. I've, I've always got I got a I've got an Under Armour backpack and it's got two little sleeves on the sides. So I've usually got it like holstered up. The kids are always like, "Walt's well, well, got his <laughs> monsters holstered up, so I'll probably have a backpack on, and I'll probably have two monsters in it. If I haven't, if it's if it's 10:30, they'll already be gone. So uh, that that would probably be my my trademark. I'm always wearing a backpack, uh, and I usually have monsters.
1: Well, that's awesome. Hey, we
2: got to feed the coaches too. <laughs> that's right, man. I, lo- I my, it's my favorite too. Is you you get all the people that are like, "Oh man, that stuff's so bad for you. That stuff's just awful for you." And every time I just want to be like, yeah, you're right. I should just be taking shots of whiskey. Yeah, that, that'd be way better for me, you know, or something like that. So usually shuts them down pretty quick. I'm like, hey, I got to have one vice. I think there's probably worse things out there for you than Monster.
1: Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Uh, Coach Walls, man, I really appreciate your time tonight. Um, uh, carving out and spending spending an hour with us just talking about a bunch of stuff. You know, the... That that was an hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that,
2: that seemed like that seemed like twenty minutes.
1: Well, well, I know we hit on a lot of subjects and a lot of topics, but uh, man, we're so good to have you on, and we've been wanting to get you on for a while. And uh, told Tori, I was like, we're doing it. I got plenty of time next week. Uh, we're gonna get some guys lined up, and I said the first one that's gonna hit in the classroom will be Coach Walls. Um, So, Just love what you guys do at RTP and uh, all the stuff with Feed the Cats uh, that you do. And you've helped me out so much uh, getting started on that journey um, of making my athletes more efficient and doing less. Uh, Just really appreciate your time tonight.
2: Anytime, man. I love what you guys do with uh, the culture. I think it's so easy to, uh, you know. Sweep it under the rug or, you know, oh, it might not be the the coolest thing. But at the end of the day, I'm telling you right now, you get way, way, way more bang for your buck. And, uh, you know, to me, that's what the the master coaches are so good at, maintaining, creating that culture and and then not only, you know, having that culture for a group, but then being able to get kids to buy into it and then also being able to to get kids to perform at their best, you know, through the love and encouragement and the culture that we do create. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah, really appreciate your time tonight, Coach Wall. Anytime. You guys enjoy the weekend. Stay safe out there. We'll talk soon.